What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita, and we are taping this probably a week before you hear it. This is on February 24th. It's a Wednesday afternoon, and we are previewing the National League West. If you are looking for some good content, we did the American League West last week. And we've also been providing a lot of college basketball content, college basketball episodes every single Monday throughout the tournament, and then tournament recaps for each round of the tournament. So make sure you guys are all subscribed to the Jack Vita show so you don't miss out on any of those episodes coming up. We got a lot coming up, and it's the best time of year in sports. At least we're beginning the best time of year right now. And on top of that, we still have four more divisions to preview after today. So I don't want to waste any more time. We have an awesome guest returning to the podcast. I believe this is uh, number three that we've had her on. Yes. And uh, this is Michaela Perkins, who I don't want to get your new job title uh, goofed up. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Michaela. Well, thanks, first of all, for having me on for a third time. It's super great to be (laughs) back. But I am the director of social media for DNBR Sports out here in Denver, Colorado. And I'm also the DNBR Rockies podcast contributor. So I get to talk about the Rockies on a weekly basis, which um, is sometimes painful. <laughs> it's been more painful now than it has in the past, but you know, we're hanging in there. <laughs> <laughs> and you grew up in Denver area, right? I did. Yeah. Well, not the Denver area. I grew up in Colorado. So I grew up about an hour and a half away from here in Colorado Springs. So um, I guess you could look at it either as a blessing or a curse that I have been a lifetime Rockies fan. Um, (laughs) I think I'm cursed at the moment, but hopefully that'll turn around sometime in the near future. So I have obviously been following the Rockies and a huge supporter of theirs ever since I was born because I was in Colorado and I didn't have any other baseball team to cheer for. So big Rockies gal. (laughs) And really the perfect guest for today's show, because in addition to that, you also lived in Arizona for a very long time. Uh, Arizona State University. Hell yeah. And you also worked for the Diamondbacks for a little while too. I did. Yes. I was uh, working for the Diamondbacks for two seasons. I was going on my third and then COVID hit. So the third did not go, but I was blessed to work for them for two seasons. Um, A goal of mine has always been to work for a major league baseball team. And that is where I got to live out my dreams. So I'm an NL West gal through and through. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you are very thrilled to talk about the National League West this season, Michaela, Mm -hmm. (laughs) with everything going on with the Colorado Rockies. So they make this trade, it was about three or four weeks ago now, and Arenado shipped out peanut butter and jelly sandwich in return, nothing really... Yeah. How are you feeling right now? (laughs) Um, I think heartbroken is a good place to start, although it doesn't really encapsulate everything that I'm feeling. I literally went through an entire grief process when, (laughs) when Arnado was traded, because as I said previously, being cursed as a lifelong Rockies fan, I haven't really had much to look forward to. We made the World Series in 2007, which obviously did not go very well for us. So, you know, aside from Larry Walker being inducted into the Hall of Fame and the 2007 World Series, there hasn't been much to highlight this fandom, unfortunately, until, you know, we were the proud 
owners, I guess, a lot for lack of a better term, of the best third baseman in baseball. And, you know, getting to watch Nolan play baseball was such a treat because he is the best at what he does. I don't care if you are an Oakland Ace fan. I don't care who you think is the best third baseman in baseball because it is undoubtedly Nolan. And so when <laughs> the news broke that he was traded, I was in shock first and then I was heartbroken and then I went through a stage of anger <laughs> and I went through a stage of disbelief and so like I just have been progressing through all the stages of grief uh, you know I think the Rockies front office is inept and they should not be employed I think Breidich is one of the worst general managers in the history of baseball the trade that he orchestrated for Nolan is bar none the worst trade in the history of baseball. Sorry, Babe Ruth, but like <laughs> it's bad. Like I would have preferred a peanut butter jelly sandwich to what we got back for Nolan. So yeah, it's been a difficult <laughs> past couple of weeks to sum up this really long disappointed rant. Um, I just, I just <laughs> am like, uh, I just don't even know how to feel anymore. Like I've processed it. I know that he's gone. I've seen him in his Cardinals uniform and it's disgusting but like, I'm not going to let the Rockies front office take away my joy of baseball because I am a huge baseball fan, even outside of the Rockies. Um, you can put me in front of a TV and I'll watch whatever game is on. It doesn't have to be the Rockies. So I've decided I'm not going to let them steal my joy and I'm just going <laughs> to muscle through this season and hope for the best, even though I know it's not going to be great. <laughs> few other highlights for the Colorado Rockies over the recent years. DJ LeMayhew wins the batting title, but he's gone now. Yep. Kyle Freeland had an unbelievable 2018 campaign. That was 2018. He was great. Uh, we'll talk about him today. And then most recently, Charlie Blackman went on my own season of Survivor. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you know, some of those events are tainted with some not so great things. Um, obviously, DJ LeMahieu is playing for the Yankees now because, again, our inept front office couldn't figure out a way to keep him on the roster. Uh, Kyle has been really struggling the past couple of seasons and had a couple back and forth stints between the major and the minors. So yeah, it's not been great. It's been a rough couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, so for those who are unfamiliar, we did a podcast episode a few days ago where we ran a survivor simulation and we cast 18 major league baseball players and Albert Estrade from survivor South Pacific joined me and I don't want to spoil it because I'm sure people are interested in listening to it and they might now just be finding out about it for the first time. But it actually didn't go too great for Charlie Blackman, which is really shocking. I thought he was going to go deep in that Survivor season. Yeah. So like I said, it's just <laughs> been a it's been a rough couple of weeks for us poor Rockies fans. <laughs> DJ LeMayhew. It was funny because he's a perfect example of a player first of all player plays in Colorado and people are like oh he's not that good because of the home and road splits because of course field mm -hmm. and then he gets the entire other end of the spectrum when he goes to the Yankees and everyone's like 
hey, this guy's actually really good. Like, who knew that this guy who won a batting title is a an elite baseball player? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, um, because the Rockies aren't a team that has a lot of history, they're relatively new. Obviously, they were started in 93, so, you know, they haven't been around, obviously, as long as the Yankees have. No division titles. Right, no division titles, all that great stuff. Um, and they're also not, like, a big market team like the Yankees or the Dodgers. Um, they kind of get overlooked a lot in in national media especially um so you know everyone here in colorado knew how amazing dj was and we were heartbroken when he obviously went to the yankees um so we all knew how great he was we were irritated that nobody else did but that's kind of par for the course you know nolan kind of had the same thing happening to him people kind of doubted his talent and his offensive production because of course field which is bullshit um, he is amazing in every way. I'm going to have to bleep that out, by the way, just oh, so okay, you know. sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's frustrating that Rockies get overlooked um, because they do usually, they sometimes have like generational talents on their team, i.e. DJ LeMahieu and Nolan. So uh, yeah, it's, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, DraftKings, who is providing our over-under totals, for uh, today's show and throughout our MLB preview series, they have the Colorado Rockies not winning too many games. They're at a 64 and a half on this over-under. Do you think that's fair? Do you think they're going to be that bad this year? Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, they just traded for the. They just traded away the best third baseman in baseball. Um, you know, I think as amazing as Charlie is, I think you know it's hard to expect him to have the same type of year that he had last season. Um, and I really don't take into account a lot of what happened last season because it's only 60 games. Um, and I just don't think that's a good jumping off point for judging players potential this season. So um, between, you know, no one being gone and um, not being able to guarantee that the Rockies will have the same offensive production from Charlie, um, you know, Trevor's still on the roster, but who knows for how much longer, you know, he could get moved at the deadline because he only has a year left on his contract. Um, Ian Desmond opting out too. Yeah, Ian Desmond opted out and, you know, the the Rockies, they I think they have maybe figured out their rotation, but their bullpen is still a mess. So, uh, yeah, I don't think what they are at right now is crazy. I, I would actually take the under on that because... Mm. Um, it's going to be a rough year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I like some of these guys in the rotation. I really would love to see John Gray finally turn the corner. He's been a guy who has always had good stuff and has struggled to put it together. Herman Marquez is, he's a good pitcher. Antonio Sanzatella was really good last year. Mm-hmm. Freeland was a guy we mentioned a few years ago. I think he got Cy Young votes. In fact, I would have actually voted for him to win Cy Young that year because what he did at Coors Field that season was incredible Mm -hmm. and he struggled since. What do you think about this pitching rotation coming into this year? Do you have any confidence in them or do you think that part of these ups and downs is just a product of playing in Colorado? Yeah, um, that's a tough question because it's hard for me to not be mad at the organization right now and let that affect (laughs) my feelings, but I do have confidence in their rotation. Like I am excited to see, you know, what they can put on the mound this year. Um, You know, I think John Gray has a really high ceiling, but he, 
I, I kind of give him a hard time. I feel like he's like um, the discount Clayton Kershaw because of his playoff performances. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think he has the most to prove along with Kyle. Um, I think Kyle did really well last year as well. But again, I don't really take into account anything that happened in that 60 game season just because, you know, baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. And 60 games feels more like a sprint to me. So, um yeah, I think they have a lot to prove. Um, so I think that they have a lot of potential, um, and I'm confident that they'll be able to toss some good innings. But, you know, you just never know with the Rockies. It's it's uh, <laughs> I wouldn't put my money on them, let's just say that. But um, I'm, I, obviously I hope they prove me wrong, and I hope they go out there and they do a great job. But, um, you know, they've just been so inconsistent that it's hard to really – get behind them and have full confidence that they're just going to deal on the mound because I just don't think, I just can't see that happening. Now, I do think, well, unfortunately, you really are unhappy about this trade and rightfully so. I mean, part of it is that when you don't have a whole lot of money and you shell out a big contract to a guy like Arnado, it's hard to put stuff around him to be competitive year in and year out. I don't know why they still have to eat salary on that trade. That's the part that I don't make doesn't make sense to me yeah um I, I don't understand it either obviously i'm not a general manager so i guess maybe i'm just lacking some of the general manager insight that brightage just seems to be overflowing with <laughs> but it really doesn't make any sense to me either um you know i listened to the press conference that both the cardinals and the rockies had after the trade was done and it was alarming to me how happy the Cardinals were with the deal because I remember specifically like their uh, president of baseball operations said we had names that we didn't want to discuss and we were able to keep those names off the table. So to me, that sounds like um, Breitich didn't even ask for anybody in their top 10, which as a general manager is a failure of epic proportions. Um, (laughs) You have to at least ask. And when you're trading someone like Nolan, you would think it would be common sense to not only get at least two of the top 10 prospects in return, but then also not have to eat any of the salary. So I don't, I think it might be like a structured deal with like the opt outs and how Nolan has those opt outs still. But uh, I, yeah, I don't understand it at all. I've, I've dissected it. I've looked at it from every (laughs) angle. I've lost sleep over it. I've had nightmares about it and it still doesn't make sense to me. So unfortunately I can't provide you any insight on why he did that because I don't understand it myself. I don't think anybody understands it. So yeah, it's just, it's mind boggling. Well, a couple more things on that. Number one, I think that there's uh, an idea in baseball right now with a lot of fans where it's like, if your team has money, you should automatically spend it. I think the Cardinals are a testament here as to why you shouldn't just spend money for the sake of spending it. If you have money and a guy like Nolan Arenado becomes available, then you're able to make that move. And uh, if you don't, like, if you're just spending money for the sake of spending money and say, oh, well, we have 30 million that we can spend. I mean, then you're not going to be able to pick up a guy like Arenado when he comes available. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely think there's some merit to that. But also, I am a strong believer that if you can't afford to pay the best third baseman in baseball what he deserves, you shouldn't be owning a team. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I definitely think there's merit to that argument. But um I mean, like even look at what the Padres did. The Padres didn't really even spend money until Machado um, a couple years ago. So um, obviously by them making that choice, they had $300 million to drop on Machado. So um, yeah, I'm just... (laughs) Well, my argument Um, isn't in favor of the 
Rockies at all. It's more just the general idea because I know floating around Chicago, which we'll talk about the Cubs in a couple weeks probably on here, but there are a lot of people that are really upset with the organization, even though they spent $635 million over on eight players over the last few years, had one of the highest payrolls in baseball, and they couldn't win a playoff game. Yeah. And now when they choose, okay, we're going to start rebuilding, people are like, well, you have money, you should automatically spend it. Well, if you save, if you're able to maintain some money to the side, it's like it's like life. If you, when I get my stimulus check and I don't need my stimulus check, it's like, ooh, I could buy something with this uh, $600 here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, throwing money at a problem isn't always the answer. Um, you know, you could spend as much money as you want, but if you're not spending it smartly and on the right people, like you're not going to get a return on that investment. So, um, I mean, like you can find examples of that all over in baseball. The Rockies spent $108 million on a bullpen a couple years ago. That was absolute garbage. So, um, you know, just throwing money at people and hoping that it works out is definitely never a strategy because um, you have to be smart with those money moves. Um, and I think the Cardinals, like you said, they have been smart. Um, you know, they were able to make that move for Nolan because they weren't, tossing money out like it was on fire. So, um, yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with you there. All right. And one other, the last thing on that trade, I will say, mm-hmm. Mike Austin Gomber could actually be, he could be a contributor to this team this year. He's a guy that I, he's been a top 100 prospect in the past. St. Louis Cardinals draft pick. They draft pitchers well, mm-hmm. even though he's not the return that you would like. He could be one of these guys that this rotation could end up being decent in a couple of years. I mean, it could be decent now, but if the team's able to compete in a couple of years with a good rotation. Yeah, I'll definitely say that he was the one prospect that I was even at least a bit remotely interested in when they announced who the Rockies were getting back in return. Um, and I have way more confidence in the Cardinals' ability to draft and develop than I do the Rockies. <laughs> so hopefully the amount of time that he spent in the Rockies system will be beneficial to him. And the time that he has to spend in the Rockies system doesn't digress his progress because I don't think the Rockies can draft and develop at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's definitely the prospect that I am the most excited about. Um, I, don't, I didn't even honestly know the other four. <laughs> I never even heard of the other four. So... Um, I hope that he does well. I hope for his sake he does well. Um, I can't imagine no, being known as the guy who was traded for the best third baseman in baseball. Obviously, that's a lot of weight to carry around. Um, and I'm sure that kind of puts a chip on his shoulder to perform well, knowing that um, he's what we got back for Nolan. So we'll see what they can do. We'll see what happens. But I do think that's probably the thing that I'm most interested in, is what this rotation can do to develop and not going to win a whole lot of games this year. But that could be the groundwork for success in the future. They're going to need a good well, rotation. They, they have a lot of young arms coming up. Like, um, you know, Philip Deal, who made a couple appearances last year, is really young, and he it looks promising. Um, you know, Scott Oberg really hasn't had a lot of chance because of injury to kind of show his stuff, but he looked really exciting. Um, you know, Daniel Bard coming back to play baseball after um, – a little bit of a hiatus was a great story. And I think he has really great potential and I hope he is the closer this year for the Rockies um, and can be kind of like that lights out guy that they need in the ninth. So there's a lot of potential there, but um, again, the, the, the talent is so unproven that it's like, it's kind of just scary to, you know, really throw your support behind just because you really don't know how they're going to do. Um, so I guess we'll see, but um, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, 
Breidich and Monfort seem to think that they can be competitive with the roster they have. I think they're fooling themselves, and I think this is going to be a really hard year for the Rockies. But I'm hoping that there can still be some bright spots within that tough time that will provide us some glimmer of hope for the future because I don't know how much longer Rockies fans can hold on while those two are in the front office. So I guess we'll see. Are there is there a sleeper or two on this team that you're keeping an eye out for this season? Yeah, um, Raimel Tapia, he's uh, probably going to be getting a lot more playing time now that Ian uh, opted out again. Um, I think he has a really high ceiling, um, and I think he's shown a lot of promise. So I'm especially going to be watching him and seeing how he does this year. Um, I'm excited to watch him play. Um, you know, I... <laughs> I sound extremely cynical, but there are still like, still things that I can find interesting within the Rockies and that, um, you know, I know it's not the player's fault that the front office is ridiculously inept. So I'll still be, I'll still be watching the games and I'll still be looking for those, um, you know, those guys to show up and show out. And maybe now that they don't have the best third baseman in baseball in their team, there's more opportunity for others to shine and to step up to the plate literally and figuratively. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Last year, 26 and 34 they actually got off to a pretty good start last year yeah but, but that's like what the rockies off. always do they yeah. start really hot and then towards the end of the season they just dive bomb like it happens like clockwork every single year like if either either right at the start or like close to like the beginning of the season they just like skyrocket and like they're first or second in the nls like everyone's super excited about it and then for whatever reason it's literally happened for the past two seasons they just dive bomb towards the end of the season, like horrific dive bomb. So <laughs> I'm not anticipating as hot of a start this season. I think it's going to be obviously again, difficult to get some traction underneath them. Um, so I guess that's one good thing to look forward to is I don't have to look forward to getting my heart broken come, you know, August, September time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then two years ago, 71 and 91. So they've definitely been trending in this direction for a few years now. The peak was the 18 year yep. where they had the... They beat the Cubs. <laughs> they did. Yes, they did. They uh, Kyle Freeland pitched a gem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 18. Yep, that's right. Okay, so 64 and a half. What would be your win projection for them this year? I'm definitely going to take the under on that. Um, I'm thinking 62. I was going to say 60. I'm sitting at 60 for sure. Uh, 60 games is where I feel comfortable. Um, <laughs> I hope they prove me wrong because that's going to be a long season without a lot of winning. So, But I would definitely take the under. There's no way that they win 64 games in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they lose. A, we both have them losing 100. Yeah, for sure. They're going to... I strongly feel like they will lose 100 games this year well let's move on to the uh the next team which is another team that you're very familiar with mm -hmm. the arizona diamondbacks and you you worked there for a few years uh pretty good experience in arizona right you liked it over there oh my god i love it the diamondbacks organization is top notch everyone from the owner ken to uh Derek hall the ceo to my case in the gm all the way down to um you know the entire employees of the whole organization are just incredible human beings incredible organization um you know if they were in the nl west they would absolutely be a team that i would throw all of my support behind even though they kind of had the same grim outlook as the rockies do but um no i loved it it was one of the best experiences of my life and i will always be so grateful for everyone over there for giving me an opportunity to live out my dreams and working for a major league baseball team but yeah 
they're awesome. <laughs> the Diamondbacks two years ago, the last season that they had you with them, maybe that's why, but 85 and 77. Mm -hmm. And then uh, last year, I actually thought I pegged them as a playoff team. They got off to a slow start, really struggled the whole 60 games. I do think that had they played 162, they may have come out above 500. Obviously, I don't really have any basis to uh, stand on with that. There's no way for me to argue that point. Uh, 25 and 35 in 2020. So you aren't really seeing them coming back up this year? Um. Uh, I think they're going to... They got Bumgarner yeah. a year ago. I think they're going to do a little bit better. You know, they've made a couple of moves in free agency. They just signed Azdrubal Cabrera, yes, a couple days ago. Yes, they did. Um, they just signed some bullpen help, um, Joaquin, right? Yep. Yeah, so between those two additions and, you know, Bumgarner and I think Cattell Marte is a star, and I yes. hope he continues to be that way. Um, so, you know, with Azdrubal being able to kind of help with the infield... Um, and take some of that pressure off Cattell, who has kind of been more of like a utility player than I was hoping he would be. Um, you know, second base, shortstop, kind of like all over in that infield and sometimes in the outfield too. So I'm hoping that that consistency will really help Cattell um, continue his upward trajectory. Um, and, you know, David Peralta is awesome as well. He's a big bat in the lineup and can usually perform, you know, as they need him to. Um, so, you know, between all those free agent acquisitions in, um, you know, obviously some of those pieces that they already had in place. I think that hopefully this year will be better for them. I think I can see them. I, I think I see them doing better than they did last year. Um, as far as what DraftKings has them at 74 and a half, that seems about right to me. Um, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with that. I think that's just about right. Um, I don't know if they're going to go too far over or too far under that. You know, they've got potential. They've got more potential than the Rockies do, that's for sure. Um, you know, Christian Walker, I think, has a lot of potential at first base. And um, there's definitely some things that they have excited. They have a right to be excited about, um, which is more than I can say for the Rockies. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, there are a lot of guys that are really intriguing with this team. It's an interesting rotation. You got Bumgarner as the veteran and then a bunch of good young guys. Zach Gallon a couple years ago was great. Merrill Kelly, Luke Weaver, both those guys have been pretty good. And then you mentioned this infield with Christian Walker, who did a really good job in 2019 filling in the place of Paul Goldschmidt. Marte, as you mentioned, he's a star. He's a lot of fun to watch. Eduardo Escobar and Nick Ahmed. And then you had Azdrubal Cabrera in there. You mentioned Peralta out in left field. This team can score runs, and they have... I think this team is going to be at least around 500. I think they're better than this 74 and a half. No, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I hope that they can be competitive and maybe sit at 500 um, or a little bit above that. Um, you know, listening to you rattle off some of those names. Um, Eduardo at third base is really consistent. You know, he's kind of that guy that um, you can always rely on. And Nick Ahmed really comes up in those like clutch situations where you like, you know, it's a tie going into the bottom of the ninth and you need a run. Um, uh, you know, incredible he, he, defensive player too by the way doesn't yeah, get enough is. credit I think in terms of defensive shortstops in this league I think it's Paul DeYoung I think it's uh, Nick Ahmed Trevor's story Trevor's story yeah he's <laughs> another one and I was gonna say Dansby Swanson too Dansby yeah, Swanson sure. last year he had one error or maybe it was two errors the whole season 
And I cannot believe Javier Baez won that gold glove. That was ridiculous. I know, yeah, that was ridiculous. But no, yeah, Nick Ahmed is an incredibly is an incredibly talented defensive shortstop. So, you know, they definitely have him locked down in that part of the infield. So uh, yeah, I mean, they're definitely they're definitely an, a team to watch. I would say, like, they have really high ceiling and really good potential. Um, you know, you were saying about Zach Gallen, who the Diamondbacks traded for from the Marlins a couple years ago. Um, he's lights out. Like, he again is a young guy. I think last season was like his first technical, <laughs> technically first full season, even though it really wasn't a it full was season. It was not a full season. Um, <laughs> it was first year yeah, that he was so, in the he was in the show the, the whole time, but from yes, start the to first finish. Year, yeah, the first year he was in the show, show for the whole season instead of just, you know, bits and pieces. So uh, I think he is going to be a lights-out pitcher. Um, and, you know, Merrill Kelly, who they got from the Korean Baseball League, right? He, yeah. yeah, I think he spent a couple seasons in Korea. I think he, again, is another consistent guy, um, probably your third or fourth rotation pitcher. Um, I would definitely, obviously, Bumgarner's your ace, and then Zach Gallon's your number two. And then Weaver, who they got from the Goldschmidt trade, uh, as long as he can stay healthy, he's had some, you know, injury issues. Um, but I'm excited by their, <laughs> I'm excited by their rotation for sure, um, especially for Zach Gallon. I've always been excited for him. Um, you know, I was a little worried when the Diamondbacks gave up Jazz Chisholm, um, who was one of their highest rated prospects to get Zach Allen in return. But um, like when you have Nick Ahmed as your shortstop, you don't really need Jazz Chisholm at that time yeah. um, or for the future. So, I mean, their rotation is great. They have a couple of relievers that I think are going to do well. Um, you know, Yohan Lopez is a younger guy, so um, he has a lot of potential. And, um, you know, as he gets obviously more experience and more games under his belt, I think he can kind of hone in and kind of eliminate some of those like mental errors that he makes on the mound. Um, Kevin Ginkle, um, even though his <laughs> um, his pitching position weirds me out for whatever reason, he has like <laughs> the weirdest wind up um, routine. I think he is uh, a really someone that you can rely on in the bullpen. Um, I think he can give you, you know, more of like a middle reliever, a couple of innings um, just to stretch out that bullpen. So um, yeah, they've got some good, they've got some good arms. Their infield is pretty, pretty decent. Um, their outfield probably is what might hurt them the most. David Peralta, um, Cole Calhoun, um, Tim LaCastro, who <laughs> always manages to get hit by balls, poor guy. But <laughs> I probably would have the least confidence in their outfield, but I mean, even with that, like I still, I still think that, you know, they're going to be a pretty consistent team. And um, again, they're a team that they don't get a lot of credit or coverage for being a, again, a small market team. And um, I think that they are going to be able to do a lot with the pieces that they have. Yeah. I like this team. I think it's a good combination of veteran guys and young guys. I think it's a good combo. And another one that we didn't mention in terms of a sleeper player to keep an eye on in your fantasy baseball league, Dalton Varsho. I don't know. I, I can't recall if he got up last year because last year's season was just such a blur. You're but right. he was, a, he's a, he was, a, I think a second or third round pick out of mm-hmm. the university of Milwaukee and I saw him play when he was playing at Val against Valpo when I was at Valpo. He was a really good prospect, good hitter. His dad played Major League Baseball. I think he's going. I think he could be a nice breakthrough rookie this year. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple guys ahead of him like John Duplantier, um, you know, Taylor yeah. Clark, um, JB Busakis, who they got for the Zach Greinke trade. 
Um, you know, so there's a couple guys I think ahead of him still. I think he still has a little bit more time. Um, but I mean, that was great, you know, when they have some, I think they have eight relievers that I can see obviously on the major league roster. And then those guys that I just mentioned are like right behind them. So, um, you know, if injuries happen or whatever, they've got the next man up type of thing going on for them. But yeah, they've got a lot of young talent coming up through their stem. Um, Mike Hazen has done a really great job of stacking their farm system and setting, setting them up for future success, in my opinion. Um, you know, they went from having one of the worst farm systems in baseball to having one of the best. I mean, obviously, they had to get rid of some of their major pieces to accomplish that. Paul Goldschmidt, Zach Greinke, um, you know, uh, oh, why am I blanking on the other ones that they just traded? Hello. Um, but yeah, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. They obviously sure. had to give up some major pieces to build that farm system up, but um, at least they didn't give up the best third baseman in baseball and get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich back. So <laughs> uh, they definitely have a lot more future potential than uh, the Rockies do. So I'm excited to kind of see what these guys can do because again, like I know I keep saying it, but they have a lot of potential. Yeah. And last thing on bar show, he, is probably going to play some catcher and outfield this year, which you don't see a whole lot. So that brings back a little bit of like a Craig Biggio type of vibe, or maybe I, I don't want to make the Schwarber comparison because Varsho is going to play center field for this team. So I don't think he's Schwarber, but he is a, he could, he has the potential to be a big bat. Yeah, definitely. So I, yeah, I'm excited for the Diamondbacks. Um, I, I might be watching more Diamondback games than I watch Rockies games this year. So um, have I talked you into them at all? Are you are you not budging on this seven? Are you thinking still in the mid seventies? Because I'm actually looking at this team. I'm gonna say 84 wins for Arizona Diamondbacks. I think they're above 500, and they have the potential to sneak into that second wild card spot. Yeah, I'll definitely go above the 74 and a half DraftKings has them at, but I wouldn't push 84. I would probably say a little bit lower than that, maybe like 80, 82, um, which I know isn't obviously a lot, but I don't, I'm not sure. I don't see them making the playoffs this year, especially because, you know, of the two beasts that are in the NL West with them, (laughs) as well as, you know, how competitive the National League just is, in my opinion, in general. So I think it's, you know, making the playoffs might be a little bit of a push. I know the expanded playoffs definitely helps their chances, but I think it might be a little bit more difficult with um, all of the talented teams that you have in the National League. Um, But I'll definitely say I'll take the over on 74 and a half for them because I think, um, you know, they can be a little bit better than that. Okay, so you mentioned expanded playoffs. Are we looking at expanded playoffs at this time? Because I thought we were looking at uh, 10 right now, but potentially going further than that. What do you mean? 10 teams making the playoffs this year. Five in each league. I'm pretty sure they're doing the expanded playoffs, aren't they? So as of now, to my understanding, they're sticking with the five, but there's a potential that they could somehow uh, ramp through, expand the playoffs, and force us to have a designated hitter in the National League, which I hate. (laughs) Right. Okay, yeah. So um, they haven't made an official decision on expanding from 10 to 16. So, um, yeah, I guess that'll be interesting to see what they decide on that. But um, if they do do the traditional, obviously, the 10 teams in the postseason um i think that definitely even lessens the chance that the diamondbacks make it into the postseason um if they expand to the 16 team playoff then um obviously that helps their chances a lot but um yeah well we'll under we'll operate under the understanding today that we're doing five in each league that that'll make it a little easier i do have them as the third best team in this division though okay Hmm. so you like san francisco a little more 
Uh, that's tough because like I, I just don't know about the Giants. I think, I mean, they weren't very aggressive in this free agency. Um, you know, I have a lot of faith in their front office though. Um, I think if anyone can bring a championship back to San Francisco, it's definitely those two in the front office. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just not, I just, I think I'm a little jaded just because, uh, you know, I've been also disappointed by the Diamondbacks. Um, they kind of do the same thing where they fake you out and you think that they're going to be good and then they crash and burn. So, um, yeah, that's tough. I mean, I, I can, I can definitely say I can see recovering from, um, them being the third best in the NL West is definitely not a long shot by any means, but I don't think that's a great title. What? By the way, third best in the NL West. It's not like, <laughs> I mean, to beat out San Francisco and Colorado. I don't, I'm not expecting a whole lot from either. Yeah, team not really year. either. Um, it's so funny because I don't, <laughs> it's just so crazy to think about how, you know, the Padres and the Dodgers are set up and the rosters that they have, they are just like, Bohemoths, and then you look at the Giants and the Rockies yeah. and the Diamondbacks. They're like, what, like what happened? They're like the stepchild, like the stepchildren <laughs> of the NL West. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> well, the Giants remind me of a team we discussed yesterday. Well, and for the folks listening, last week the American League West. They remind me a lot of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. This is a team that has a lot of veteran talent. There are a lot of names on this team. Buster Posey is coming back this year after opting out last year. So I'm happy to see Buster Posey back. The Giants, to their credit, I thought they would lose 100 last year. They were unable to lose 100 because they only played 60 games. But they did uh, They sniffed the playoffs. They were actually pretty close to getting in. With, uh, they're just under 500, 29, 31. I was expecting much worse for them, mm-hmm. but I'm still not expecting much for them this year. Yeah, the Giants are the one team where I'm just like, I honestly kind of forget about sometimes, which is like sad because they <laughs> won three <laughs> World Series rings, um, you know, in a, in a decade. But yeah, I just like, they just don't excite me. Um, yeah, they're, they're very, not, very boring team at this they're point. They're very boring. Yeah, they just like, it's just not anything that I have to get excited about. Like I can't, you know, besides those veterans that you mentioned, like it's just not something that like I think is worth spending a lot of time investing in because (laughs) I just, there's just nothing that excites me, I guess is what I'm trying to say about that team. Like they just, eh. It's yeah. They're still trying to hang on to what they did. Uh, (laughs) And that was over a decade ago now. I mean, the last time they won was 2014. Last time they made the playoffs was 2016. And at this point, I mean, you still have Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, and they brought over Evan Longoria a few years ago. They mm-hmm. brought over Tommy LaStella, which I like that pickup. I think he's a good uh, contact hitter and leadoff guy, on um, base percentage guy. But yeah. I don't see any young talent on this team to get excited about. There's no guy, yeah. when you look at a team like San Diego where they have these guys like Cronenworth and Tatis Jr. and Lamette and Mackenzie Gore, you go down the list, there's so much to get excited about. There's mm-hmm. n- there's none of that with this team. This is a, a veteran-laden team that mm-hmm. I don't see them ever rediscovering that magic. It's been the same story for several years now. I think this team is going to be in a rebuild going into this year, and I think it's going to be pretty ugly. Yeah, um, 
yeah, I think they need to figure out what it is they want to do yeah. and like where they're going because right now I think they're kind of like a ship in the night without any <laughs> like guidance. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, I I think they're kind of in a a similar situation as the Rockies, but not really in the terms of um, you know they didn't have to <laughs> trade away their best player to get nothing in return. But I think you know the the Giants they have to make a decision on if you know, they're going to tear down and start over or if they're going to keep doing like this half in half out, like we have some older players that were really good a couple years ago. Like maybe we can bring in some like lower level free agents to try to like supplement, but I just, they just need to figure out what they're doing. Like, I think, I think that they need to tear down. I think, you know, um, the Rockies need to tear down, but I just don't want Bridge to be in charge of the tear down. <laughs> so I, I definitely think they just need to like figure out what they want to do and they, they need to make a decision and stop kind of doing like this half in half out thing because it's not working for them. Like they haven't been good, like you said, for a while. And, um, you know, they're kind of holding on to like that, those glory days of getting three world series in the course of like 10 years, but it's just, it's just not working for them. Um, yeah, they're kind of they're struggling a bit. Yeah, the pitching rotation looks like they're throwing up a prayer. I mean, they've got Plato, yeah. Kevin Gossman could potentially be their opening day starter, and Aaron Sanchez, Aaron Sanchez, like Alex Wood. Yep, yep. I Anthony yeah. DiSclafani, another one. It's like when you have that many guys that you're hoping you can rekindle something, and you say, "Oh well, 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 if this guy can come back, or this guy, like these all these are guys who've looked good in the past, they're all guys who have shown promise in the past." But when you're yeah. banking on all five of your guys to make that kind of a bounce back or prove something, you're probably only going to luckily you're lucky to get two maybe three of those guys but realistically only one of them is probably going to be a- yeah one well, you know talking talk about like not having any long-term plan yeah. three of the five of their starting pitchers are brought in on a one-year deal yeah so like what like what are you doing like what's your plan <laughs> you know like i mean obviously you can always choose to sign them for longer and extend them but to me it's just weird that they don't really seem to have any plans for like long-term success and consistent success. And I just, I'm not quite sure what they're doing. They're perplexing to me. (laughs) (laughs) I would think maybe they're signing these guys on a one-year deal to flip them at the deadline and start that rebuild and rehauling. Right. But they've had so Mm -hmm. many opportunities over the last three or four years. Really, when when they fell off in 2017, they went from being a playoff team that legitimately could have won the World Series in 2016. They had a really, really good team that year. The next year... They lost close to a hundred games. Yeah. When, at that point, it should have been clear they're not they're not bouncing back. They went out, they got Cutchin, they got Longoria. Yeah. And really, over the last few years, they keep doing that same it's that same uh, pattern of uh, behavior. They're not. I would think that yeah, maybe they're going to flip these guys and start. Uh, they're going to start rebuilding. But they've had so many opportunities over the last few years to get a kickstart on that. So, like you said no idea what their plan is with this team. And I'm also, to tell the truth, I'm not a big uh, Gabe Kapler guy for that matter either. Yeah, I yeah, I totally agree. I just, you summed it up perfectly. It's just, uh, there's just not, not much there to get excited about. And yeah, just play. Gabe Kapler, by the way, was the director of player development for the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
he got brought in to manage the Phillies because they were expecting him to be great with developing young talent. Mm-hmm. That did not happen in Philadelphia. So what happens now? You hire that guy to manage a team where you don't even have any young talent to try to develop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not I really don't understand what they're doing over there. It's just confusing to me, um, which sucks because I think, you know, like I was saying before, their GM is so talented. Like he has a really good baseball mind. Um, yeah. And I think Farhad. Yeah, Farhad. I think, you know, he he's he reminds me in a lot of ways of like Mike Hazen, where, you know, a lot of it is um, unconventional compared to like how some of like the older GMs operate their teams. So um, you know, I think he has a lot of potential, but I'm just like, what, what are you doing, sir? Like, <laughs> please tell us because we don't understand what's happening over there. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll see what they can do. So in terms of these over-unders, this is the one that I have the most confidence in, in this division. I'm firmly below 75 and a half. I think they're right there with Colorado in the, <laughs> as a 100 loss team. Wow. That's interesting. I don't, uh, I'll definitely take the under. They've got them at 75 and a half. So I'll take the under on that. But, um, ugh. yeah, they just, I guess if I had Colorado at 62 wins, mm-hmm. I would have to say in order for them to be a hundred lost team, they would have to lose. They have to win 62 or less. So I'm actually, I'm going to go, I guess I'll go 64 wins for the San Francisco Giants. So not quite 100 losses. Yeah, I would put them um, probably like 65, 66, somewhere in like that mid-60 range. I don't see them losing 100 games in there. For, I don't think they're going to be as bad as the Rockies. Um, so They'd be lucky if they did, by the way, because then there'd be some type of a direction for this team. But if, if they just keep winning 70 games every year, then that's not a good place to be in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, they're not going to be above 500 by the time the season comes to a close. So, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the uh, the next one. I have a feeling you're going to be pretty high on the San Diego Padres. Oh, yeah, I'm already taking the over. I think they're going to be first in the NL West. I hope they just poop on the Dodgers <laughs> and destroy their confidence. Um, I think the Dodgers won the World Series last year because the season was 60 games long. It's 100% a Mickey Mouse World Series title. No, come on. No, like I understand they're talented and I understand like they've got, you know, all of these great pieces in place. Like obviously Mookie, Mookie coming to the uh, Dodgers was a huge deal. Um, you know, they got some great arms in their rotation, but I genuinely don't think that if, the season wasn't 60 games last year that they would have won a world series. Like, and I will forever and always discredit that. So please. Okay. Please elaborate on that. So what is it? The fact that you don't think they could sustain like a 162 plus game marathon. Is that your point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you look at how they've done during, you know, seasons where they, it's not a 60 game season, like they're historical chokers. Like they, (laughs) they made it to the world series twice and lost like it, not a great way. So I think they just, uh, they think that my, <laughs> obviously I'm jaded because I'm a Rockets fan. So take a, take what I'm saying as you will. I'm obviously <laughs> not happy with the Dodgers, but like they're one of the teams that like frustrates me the most because, you know, obviously there's no cap in baseball. So they just throw money at people and acquisitions and, um, you know, obviously their farm system is great. They've got a great farm system. Um, but yeah, I just like, they're not, they don't, I don't think they can sustain their success. Like they are a choke team to me. Um, 
obviously, again, jaded because I'm a Rockies fan, so take that for what you will. So if they played 162, what do you think happens last year? And let's say they have a normal postseason for that matter. So they probably win the National League West, yeah, right? for sure. Okay, so they win the National League West, and then they play. You think they lose in the division series, or they get to the World Series and they lose to the Rays, or what do you think happens? Yeah, no, I think they lose in the NLCS. Um, to the Braves? Yeah. I was. The Braves had them beat this year, too. I was so impressed by the Braves. Um, I think they lose in the NLCS if in the year. So, um, you know, obviously they brought in more help, even more top free agents, Trevor Bauer. <laughs> Um, you know, they just re-signed Justin Turner. So, uh, you know, obviously they've got a lot of the pieces to be successful. But, yeah, I I, I think the Padres get them. I, I think the Padres have them beat this year. Um, I hope so, at least. Um, I would rather watch the Padres win the West than the Dodgers. So, <laughs> so I'm going to push back uh, to your point about the Dodgers. I think they would have won the World Series last year regardless. And I think that the fact that they had to go into the postseason, an expanded postseason, not have any playoff and no home playoff games after the wild card round. They had um, it was a really weird year where you played like seven days straight with no off days. So you, there were a lot of elements to these playoffs. There's an extra round of the playoffs. There was a chance for a team that got like the Astros got in, and we almost they almost ruined the whole World Series by having the Astros as a 29-win team potentially getting into the World Series. So I actually think we had a pretty good outcome, the fact that the Rays and the Dodgers as those two top teams in each league met in the World Series. So to me, and I I know there's a a little bit of a divisional bias there with you, but I think think they, they truly won it last year. And the fact that there are people that are discrediting them and pushing um not not pushing but moving over to the Padres I think that gives them all the more motivation in the world this year to not have a hangover season yeah I think it would be a different thing if the if they had really gone into the you know NLCS and um done what they did in the past two playoff series but like they barely won against the Braves like the series was four to three so there was a really like there was a good chance that the Braves like almost went to the World Series. Like it came down to one game. And I think the Braves might do that this year. By the way, I'm I'm really high on the Braves this year. Yeah. So you no, know, I think obviously there has to be there's like a concoction for you know being a successful team. Like you have to build it right. You've got to have the talent. You've got to have the manager who can manage the talent. But you also need a little bit of luck in there as well. And timing has to be. There. And I think um, in the Dodgers winning potion, they had more luck than they did what would normally help a team win a World Series because I I mean I thought the Braves were gonna beat them and um, you know there was a real possibility that would have happened. So uh, Well this is yeah. I love a good debate. This is fun by the way. <laughs> I'm glad it's I'm glad it's a good conversation. Again, like I said, obviously I'm you know biased against them because I <laughs> have always hated the Dodgers. Um, but yeah I just to me that to me, they're like the, the choke team of Major League Baseball. So um, take well, that and that's, for what That's you will. a fair point there. I'll give you that. And by the way, I think um, these podcasts are much more interesting when people disagree. So this is this is great. I'm loving this. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not too far out in left field. People are going to listen to this and be like, you're just a Dodgers hater. Like, no. which like, fine. Like, I sure, I'll be a Dodgers hater. But um, yeah, I mean, they almost got beat by the Braves and you can't deny that. It almost happened. No, they won yeah. by a game. So 
Um, I think in a normal setting, they wouldn't have been able to capitalize on the fact that um, the, the season was only 60 games long and, um, you know, they, they kind of got lucky with injuries last year and they didn't have to deal with a lot of those issues either. So, um, yeah, I think the, I think the Padres come out as number one in the West this year. <laughs> well, I'd like, first of all, you're, I, I, I did uh, label you biased. You're not, you have a fair point here. It's not, you, you acknowledge your bias and you know how you feel, but you still are analytically based. So I don't want anyone to think that Michaela is uh, being a hater here. She, she, <laughs> she has a fair point. And there are a lot say, of people who agree with you too. I will say it was cool to see Clayton Kershaw get a ring. Um, even though he chokes, he is still a great human being. <laughs> Um, he's very kind and um, one of those guys that if he wasn't on the Dodgers, he'd be one of my favorite players aside from the playoffs. <laughs> um, but I, it was cool to watch him get a ring because I think, you know, uh, it would have been really sad if he went through his career and didn't get one of those. So, Well, let's take a closer look at the Padres and then we can resume the uh, the debate for who will win this division because I am going with the Dodgers. But why don't you give me your best case for the Padres here, Michaela? I mean, where do I start? Um, you know, obviously they have the most expensive <laughs> <laughs> left field in baseball with Tatis and Machado out there. Um, left side of the infield, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they obviously believe highly in them between spending $640 million dollars on two players on their roster. So, you know, you got Machado who's got 300 million and then um, Tatis who just signed the biggest contract in the history of baseball at 340 million for 14 years. Crazy. So, you know, um, I think they're going to lock it down. I, um, I'm just, I think that they have, you know, you were kind of talking about how the Dodgers have like this chip on their shoulder because so many people, you know, doubt them like I do, but I think the Padres kind of have that as well because they've been so bad for <laughs> so long, like, so, like horrendously awful. I don't know how they have any fans because it's just been like years and years and years of not having any success. And, uh, you know, they finally have a farm system that they can be built on. It gives them a strong foundation to be excited about for the future. They've got two stars on their team and Machado and Tatis and um, you know, Austin Nola is a great catcher. Their infield I think is the best infield in baseball. They got um, Eric Hosmer, Jay Cronenworth, Tatis and Machado. Like I think that is just a lockdown infield. Um, you know, their outfield is also looking great. Will Myers, Tommy Pham. I'm a huge Tommy fan, Stan. He's <laughs> one of the best people I've ever met in baseball. Ooh, so you met him. Tell the story. <laughs> yeah. So um, before the world shut down last year for COVID, um, it was in the middle of spring training. And um, I got to work for Trevor Bauer and his company Momentum. Oh, sweet. That's awesome. And they put they put on a little uh, wiffle ball uh, tournament to raise money for uh, Miracle League of Arizona and um, you know all the guys were there that Trevor's friends with so uh, Tommy Pham was the coach for one of the teams um, and we got to talk on the sidelines and just talk about baseball and he just is awesome like a stand-up human being um, I will forever be a fan of Tommy Pham um, and I think he's got unreal potential I think he's so talented he's a great like great behind the plate in the box like great in the outfield there's like an overall really talented human being um so, you know, between all of that and um, 
their rotation, which is <laughs> unreal. You've got you Darvish, Blake, Blake Snell, Chris Paddock, um, Joe Musgrove, all these guys that like Lumet, which I think, you know, Lumet is going to be unreal. And then, you know, uh, Mike Clevenger is obviously injured, but when he comes back is going to be a huge help. Um, I just think I'm, I'm just so impressed by them. I'm impressed by their roster. I think they've got the best infield in baseball. Uh, their rotation is just like jaw dropping the fact that all of these guys are on their roster. So um, they've got a lot to be excited about and I'm happy for them because they've sucked so bad for so <laughs> long. So I'm excited to watch them play for sure. So I'm going to preface this and we can go a little cl- uh, closer in on some of these guys that you mentioned. I'm going to preface this by saying I think the Padres are the third best team in the National League. So I'm not, by me not picking them to win the division and me making a few cases as to why I think the deserve better, um, mm-hmm. I still think this team's going to be really good. And I think they're dangerous and they're going to be tough to beat. Uh, this pitching rotation, so they acquired you Darvish and Blake Snell over the course of like 48 hours, which was pretty yeah, wild. Unreal. Unreal. <laughs> that was one of the craziest two days of baseball. Like, how do you go get you Darvish? And then, by the way, oh, next day, hey, Blake Snell. How's it going? Welcome to the Padres. Like, what? <laughs> and I know I'm standing on an island here. Uh, I wrote a piece about it when the trade happened. I actually think one of my bold predictions this year is that Zach Davies is going to finish the season with more innings pitched and a lower ERA than you, Darvish. Wow. Now, over the last four years, Davies has had a lower ERA over the accumulatively over the last four years, including the last two years, which features Darvish's Cy Young season. Darvish, um, I'm actually... I think the Cubs got rid of him at the right time, and I hope it... I He's such a great character. He's fun to watch. He's got electric stuff, so I really hope it works out for him with the Padres. But I think that Darvish, my thing with Darvish is that it took him a while for him to settle in and pitch all in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think that's a thing. He's age 35. He's been a little up and down. He seems that he was a little high maintenance with the Cubs. I don't think he is was this like... Your, is this your Cubs bias coming out that I am I detecting? <laughs> very fair. Very fair to toss that out. But it's actually funny because people who listen to the show this all the time are like, Jack, you hate the Cubs. You're always like, I'm like you when you talk about the Rockies. That's how I've been over the last few years with the Cubs. Um, with Darvish, I don't think he's like, I wouldn't say he's like a locker cancer or anything. He's a good guy, but he was kind of high maintenance where it just felt like he's got to have an interpreter. Oh, now he's not going to have the interpreter. Now he's going, now his neighbors in Evanston are suing him. Like there's just a lot of weird things with Darvish. Um, but I, the, the main thing was last year he had a great 12 starts when there Mm -hmm. were no fans in attendance and, in addition to that, American League and National League Central, that joint uh, region, was atrocious offensively. So here's a fun little fact. I did a little digging when I wrote this piece uh, a couple months ago. Do you want to guess how many teams were in the bottom 11 for OPS and run scored this year out of the American League, National League Central? Out of 11? Bottom 11. Oh, I'm sure there, I'm sure it's a high number. Nine. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> so Darvish last year, you're looking at a year where there are no fans in attendance, limited travel, bad opponents, and only 12 games. So I'm not, 
I'm not that big on Darvish. Hopefully he can just be good for this team. I don't I don't think you're going to see that Cy Young type season that he had last year where he's second in Cy Young voting. But uh, I actually think that the Cubs were wise to unload that contract when they had an opportunity to. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally see where you're coming from. Like, it's kind of hard to replicate a season like Darvish had when he was with the Cubs. Um, but I still think, like, between his experience and the stuff that he can toss, I think he's definitely going to provide the Padres what they need. Um, obviously, I don't know his potential for ace. I don't think it's very high. But I think, you know, he's obviously going to be a consistent guy in the rotation that they can rely on and uh, will definitely win some games for them and that they can have confidence in. But um, I definitely agree. Like, he's probably not going to be – definitely not going to be the same guy that he was a couple years ago. Yeah, and he had really struggled for the first couple of years in Chicago. So that would be interesting to see. Another one, Blake Snell. I'm curious to see what we see out of Blake Snell this year because – Mm-hmm. 2018, he was electric, won the Cy Young. 2019, he was okay, but not great. I mean, he had a 4-3 ERA that year. This past year, again, 60-game season. So I, I don't know if Snell is necessarily a slam dunk this year either. Oh, no, I disagree. I'm all in on him. I think the Rays are ridiculous for letting him go. They were also ridiculous for pulling <laughs> in that game. So yes. Um, no, I'm all in on him. I think he's... So, so talented. I was also very high on him um, two seasons ago. I keep forgetting that the last season even happened. I know, right? I always, have, I always have to talk to myself. Like, I'll talk about seasons and I, like, will miss say, I'll, like, not say the right season because I just literally, I literally forget that last season <laughs> happened, like, all the time. So, yeah, two seasons ago, I was also very high on him and the Rays just made the probably one of the worst season, the worst decisions of pulling him from that game. Um <laughs> Equivalent to not giving Marshawn Lynch the ball on the one-yard line type of decision. So, um, yeah, I'm so high on him. I think he's going to be incredible, and I'm so excited to see him on. Not that, you know, the Rays aren't a great team, because I think, you know, they are, but I think the Padres just have, like, those key, like, those, just, like, that little bit of extra pizzazz to their roster. Swag. Yeah, that I think the Rays are missing. So I'm excited to see what he can do, especially with the infield that he has behind him because I think, um, you know, that infield, like I said, is just locked down. So I think, you know, it would be any pitcher's dream to stand on the mound with that infield behind them. So um, I'm excited to see what he can do for sure. Yeah, and I will say to your point about the Rays making a mistake with this trade. Now, they're a small market team. Mm -hmm. They only have so much money. When's the last time the Rays noticeably lost a trade? They always seem they sell high on players when they do, and it always seems to pan out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, no one bats a thousand, but right. No, yeah, I, I, I agree with that for sure. They, they seem to be very well versed in knowing what they want to get in return for the trades that they do make. Um, but I just, I don't know how you let a guy like that go again, same with the Nolan thing. Like, I just don't see how that was a good decision for like the overall competitiveness of the team. Um, you know, obviously they'll probably be saving some money. And like when it comes to small market teams, like the Rockies and the Rays, uh, you know, obviously the money decision weighs a little bit more heavily on you than big market teams, which is unfortunate for everyone, fans, teams, small markets. So, you know, I can definitely understand it from a money perspective, but um, for a competitive decision, I just don't. I don't. I thought that was a mistake. Well, I'll tell you what I like here. A uh, few things I like with this rotation, and before I say that, I will say what I do like. 
a small market team in San Diego behaving like a big market team. That's pretty fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, they just like, they, they went all in, they just sent it. They were like, <laughs> you know what, we're, this is it. Like we're tired of being horrible. Uh, we finally have somewhat of a, or we finally have a farm system to stand on. Like, let's just, let's send it. And they like full send it. <laughs> <laughs> I like Lamette. I like the Musgrove ad. Mm-hmm. I always thought he was going to be a better pitcher than he amounted to in Pittsburgh. I think he could be a guy that, similar to how when Garrett Cole left Pittsburgh and went to a contender, was able to kick up, kick it up a notch or two. I could see that happening in San Diego. I like Paddock. I really love Mackenzie Gore. Mm-hmm. So the fact of the matter is that even if Darvish or Snell aren't Cy Young caliber pitchers, even if they're just a, each of them gives like a three seven five mm-hmm. sub four ERA, then they still have an, maybe the best rotation in the National League. Yeah, despite that. Yeah, they're just crazy. So, they're gonna be so good. I'm ah ah. They're like what I wish the Rockies would do. Um, I don't ever in my lifetime ever think that Montfort would ever sign someone. <laughs> the way that they did um, for, I mean, I know they gave Nolan a big chunk of money, but look what happened with that. So I don't think we're ever going to get any type of moves like the Padres did this offseason. The Padres were electric. Like, I, I feel like every time I got a notification that Jeff Passon tweeted, I was like, I guarantee you it's about the Padres. <laughs> so. And then my counter to that would be, when was the last time that a team that won the offseason that, I mean, they I wouldn't say that they haven't accomplished anything because they did win a two out of three playoff series last year against the Cardinals, who really hadn't played. They had to play a lot of games in a short amount of time. Um, and then the San Diego was also, they had some injuries in that in those playoffs, so they didn't really stack up very fairly against the Dodgers. Uh, they won 37 games out of 60 last year, 37 and 23. So really good season, short season. A year before that, they got off to a really good start and weren't able to put it together for 162. We've seen a lot of teams where if they haven't really won a big playoff series and they go out and they make these moves and they're the darlings of the offseason, we've seen these teams come up short before, Michaela. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, yeah, for sure. I agree. But um, I don't think that's going to happen with the Padres. I think the Padres are going to capitalize on the talent that they have on their roster. Really play some good baseball. I'm excited to watch it. So I think that what they have going for them, the reason why I think they're different from some of these teams, such as the Phillies from a couple years ago, and uh, from you can make a number of examples. It's there's one every single year. There's a team like that. In fact, the Diamondbacks uh, from like five years ago when they got Greinke, and then there was the Padres from 2015 when they got Upton. And I think the big difference is that they do have young talent already there. So I, they have their core in place. I think this is the third best team in the National League. I think they're so the over under is 94 and a half. I have to think you're going over, Michaela. Oh yeah. Give me the over. They're a 100-win team for sure. 100-win. Okay. I will go. I think the 94.5 is a real good number. I'm going to go, I'll say 94. I'm going to go slightly under. 94 wins. Interesting. Are your best uh, National League teams Dodgers, Braves, Padres? Yeah, that's exactly it. I think it's Dodgers. I do not think the Dodgers are going to repeat and get back to the World Series this year. Because uh, it's so hard to do, and the points you make mm-hmm. are really great points about the Dodgers. But I am—I'm big on the Braves. I'm really big on the Braves. I think the 
Padres, I have them as the third best record in the National League. And then the Cardinals could win the National League Central with like 87 wins. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the Cardinals got it pretty nice up there in the National League Central. They, um, you know, obviously... Uh, I don't see, I don't know, I don't see Milwaukee or even the Cubs. Um, no, or sorry. definitely not. Yeah, I just, yeah, I St. Louis comes out as the winners of the National League Central. Definitely not Cincinnati. I don't, I, the Padres, or not, oh my God, the Padres, the, the Pirates <laughs> will be lucky if they could string together 50 wins. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, th- I think, I think the Cardinals will come out of the winners of the National League Central for sure. So I, I just want to be clear about this. So I have them as a third best team. I think they're going to be a really dang good team this year. But don't be surprised if there if there are some struggles. I mean, it's always hard when you go out, you win the offseason, you put the target on your back. And I actually yeah. think the fact that they made all these moves and people are discrediting the Dodgers, I think that's the one of the best things that could happen to the Dodgers this year. I think they're going to be reinvigorated this year and I, I have the Dodgers winning this division I think we could talk about the Dodgers here you got anything else on the Padres nope all right so the Los Angeles Dodgers this is a team that won the World Series a year ago they add Trevor Bauer they got David Price coming back they've got uh did they add anyone else this offseason Michaela Anyone significant? Um, I mean, they re-signed. Corey Knable. Yeah, and they re-signed Justin Turner, who, like, I know obviously yep. was already on, but that was one of the things that they were the most concerned about was getting him back. Um, but I don't, I'm not, I don't think they brought in anybody else. It's a good team. They got everyone coming back. They've got a lot of depth, as they always do. And um, I'm curious why you think they take a step back from winning the division. They don't do it this year after winning it the last eight years. Um, I just think that, um, you know, they are obviously a well-built team and they've got a lot of names going for them. They've got, you know, obviously a lot of talent as reflected by their salary that they're paying out this year. Um, But again, like it just goes back to the consistency thing for me. And like, obviously I know that they have been the winners of the division for the past eight years, but nobody has been here to challenge them. Um, the Rockies are not, haven't been very good. The Diamondbacks haven't been very good. Not enough to challenge the Dodgers. Padres have been garbage. <laughs> Giants have been garbage. So, you know, I think they've gone uncontested in the National League West for long enough. And I think the pressure that the Padres are going to put on them is going to be enough for there to be some real competition. Obviously, I think it's going to be close. And, uh, you know, it might come down to the last few weeks of the season to determine who's going to be victorious in the National League West. But I just don't think, like, they're going to, I guess, hold up as well as I believe the Padres will. Um, And I think that, like I said, having the pressure from the Padres now finally being competitive, um, they've gone uncontested for so long, um, is definitely going to make them kind of show the cracks, I guess, that they would have in their team. So, yeah. Yeah, very fair points. I just think there's too much depth of this Dodgers team. They have seven starting pitchers that they could use on any given night. With Price and Bauer entering the equation this year, it's like Price is basically joining the team this year because he didn't pitch last year. He's essentially an acquisition. Tony Gonsolin is pretty good. uh, Another really good pitcher that they drafted. And 
I'm a fan of his affinity for cats. That's a fun little quirk that that guy has. Yeah, well, we love cat people. Uh, the Rockies <laughs> have a cat guy on their team too, and he's my favorite in the pitching. The pitching <laughs> Who's staff. That? Uh, Scott. Ward. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I he's, didn't know huge, he's a cat guy. Yeah, he's a huge cat guy. The Rockies did a, a calendar photo shoot with animals, and he was the only one with cats. So <laughs> everyone else had dogs. But um, no, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, they, don't get me wrong. The Dodgers are stacked. They've got talent up and down the roster on their team depth. You no, know, they're going to be competitive. Like they're going to be good. But I just feel like the reason that everybody gives them so much credit is because they've won the division in the past eight years, but like they've won the division in the past eight years because the rest of the division is garbage. So I don't, I just, I don't know. I'm just not as high as them as I am on the Padres. Like I know they're talented. Like again, like I, they brought in Trevor Bauer, which like obviously is a side young winner, but I, I, I have a hard time putting a lot of stake into that because it was only a 60 game season. Again, like I've been saying this whole time, like I really have a hard time um, with that 60 game season. I forget it happened most of the time. So if we had a full season, what would Trevor Bauer have won the Cy Young? I don't know. I can't say that for sure. So, um, you know, I'm not, say, I'm not saying he's bad by any means. Don't think that I'm saying that Trevor Bauer is not a good pitcher, but I, I just like, I don't know. I just, Maybe it's my bias and maybe it's just because I don't like the Dodgers, but I'm just not as high on them as I am on the Padres. Yeah, so I I mean, there's a lot of depth in terms of their batting order. It's so deep. I think the real moment of weakness, though, was that you saw in the postseason, Dave Roberts had very few guys that he could trust in that bullpen. So I don't think... Yeah, the bullpen has been their issue for a while. And, you know, I think they've got... Um, I'm trying to think. you got Brusader... Um, they brought in Kniebel, um, Dustin May. Tommy Conley is over there now, too. Yeah, Kenley Jansen, who has had some issues, but for the most part, you can you know feel mildly confident when you hand him the ball. But um, yeah, the, the bullpen has been their issue for a while, so they're definitely going to have to work those issues out if they want to not get... Um, overtaken by the Padres yeah I don't think I think they can be okay uh despite that the regular season but you need to have a lockdown bullpen in the postseason Mm -hmm. and I was shocked as you mentioned I was completely shocked at how poor the Braves bullpen performed in that series I thought that the Braves had a clear edge in bullpen and what happened to Will Smith in those playoffs I it was shocking I couldn't believe it yeah um yeah, that was a total collapse for sure. Um, if there ever has been, it was that, um, which is definitely unfortunate for them because obviously things had a very good chance of being different if that hadn't been the case. Yeah, so I am going with the Dodgers to win this division, but I don't think they're going to get back to the World Series this year. I will reveal more in a future episode of this preview series. I just think it's too hard to get back there. I don't think the bullpen's good enough, but I think they're built very nicely to win a lot of games this summer. So they're at 101 and a half. I think you're going under, Michaela. Um, no, I don't think I'll go under either. Um, I think both the Padres and the Dodgers are 100 win teams. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go under. I think I'm going to, I'll take the over. Okay, so how many wins for the Padres? How many for the Dodgers? Do you think this is something that goes down to like the final weekend of the season? I wouldn't be surprised if it did. You know, if the <laughs> if they're in a tight race and you know it, it takes the last couple games of the season to determine who wins the West, like I said earlier, I totally see that happening. 
I'll give the Padres 105 and the Dodgers 102. All right. And that's definitely obtainable for these teams when you have potentially two 100 loss teams in this division too. Yes, for sure. Um, I'm excited. I mean, even like uh, the Pocota rankings had uh, the percentage the chances of them making the the postseason, like with yeah, the projections really like like point zero one percent of each other. So um, it's gonna be fun to watch them. I, I hope the Padres beat them because I'm tired of them, but uh, it'll be cool to watch for sure. Well, I definitely hope the Padres have success this year because they are rocking Valpo's colors. So I I going. hate it. I wish they would have never gone back to brown and yellow. It is awful. I hate it. I, I don't like it either, and I, I wish my alma mater had better color scheme, too, for that matter, but we're changed the mascot, so maybe we can change the color scheme now, too. Oh, God. It, it, uh, I think Padres go back to that early 2000s pinstripes with the navy blue and the orange. That's that's my favorite Padres. I don't know. I don't think they're going to rebrand. I think they're sticking with the brown and the yellow, which is so unfortunate for everybody. Who has to I know. That. I know that they are sticking with it, but it... Is that what you would have gone with? No. Or would you go with the navy blue? I like, my favorite Padres combination was the blue and the orange. Yeah, okay. So we're on the same page about yeah. that. Good stuff. Okay, so I will say Dodgers, I'm going to go with 100 wins. So I'll go slightly under. So I actually, I feel like I'm going under a lot. So someone is probably going to win like 110 games if I'm going under on this many teams. <laughs> Michaela, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming by the show. Thanks. Why don't you toss out your media handle and everything that you got going on that you're working on, how people can get in touch with you and follow your work. One, by the way, one of the top uh, Twitter accounts on MLB Twitter. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you. I definitely love baseball Twitter, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at Michaela E. Perkins. My first name's M-K-A-Y-L-A-E Perkins. And um, also make sure to check out DNVR. Um, we've got our main DNVR account, which is at DNVR underscore sports. And then I'm also on the Rockies account. So DNVR underscore Rockies. Check out the DNVR Rockies podcast. It's available on all podcast platforms. And uh, thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. My pleasure, Michaela. Hopefully we can uh, touch base later sometime this summer. Talk some I'm baseball. sure we will be in contact about the baseball season that we are about to witness for sure. <laughs> All right, y'all, that does it for my conversation with Michaela Perkins previewing the National League West. A lot of fun having her on the show. Had a good, fun debate there over who will win the National League West. And it's always fun when people want to, people disagree with me and we have different ideas and we exchange ideas and we debate stuff. I think that's a lot more interesting than having people agree all the time. So that was a lot of fun. Glad to have her on. And hopefully we'll check in again sometime this season. Maybe a couple times. We'll see how everything shakes out. How much free time everyone has uh, in 2021 to go on other podcasts. But I'm excited. That was another really fun division to preview. And I'm getting excited for Major League Baseball season. We're only a few weeks away at this point by the time you're hearing this and we still have four more divisions to preview not sure which one's coming out next again i'm about to i taping this a day before i go down to florida you're probably listening to this about a week after i recorded it so hopefully there aren't any major uh moves or breakthroughs that occur 
that change the way that maybe we look at these divisions. But we still have the American League Central, the National League Central, the American League East, and the National League East. Make sure you guys are all subscribed so you don't miss out on those division previews. You don't want to miss out on all the college basketball stuff that we have coming out, too. We're at the time of this recording, only we're less than three weeks away from Selection Sunday. Three weeks from now, March Madness will be in action. I'm so excited for that, and I'm sure plenty of you all are, too. Subscribe to the Jack Vita Show wherever it is that you get your podcast so you don't miss out on the upcoming division previews that we have or any of the other stuff, really, that we have coming on. Again, college basketball, it's going to be a lot of fun. Podcasting through every round of the tournament, that's the plan. Subscribe to the Jack Vita Show, can't say it enough. If you guys want to get in touch with me on social media, at Jack Vita Show on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show, YouTube.com slash Jack Vita. All of those links are on my website, jackvita.com. Subscribe and get those email notifications so you don't miss out whenever there's fresh content available. There's going to be a lot of that coming up over this next month or so. So until the next time you hear from me, I'm sure we'll be talking plenty of college basketball. Again, I'm taping. (laughs) I don't know what episode is coming up next at the time of this recording, but I can guarantee you there'll be a college basketball episode out. Uh, By the time you're hearing this, there'll be a new one coming out uh, the following Sunday or Monday, and then we'll be on to our next division. Okay, guys, have a great week, and uh, take good care of yourselves until the next show. I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the Dancing Lobsters.